This is Amy Poehler. My new movie, Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2, is coming to theaters June 14th, and it's making me feel joy and sadness and anger. Definitely some disgust. Rose! And I think a little fear. But I'm also feeling these new emotions like anxiety, embarrassment, envy, and ennui. It's what you call the boredom. Okay, that one was weird. It's going to be the feel-everything movie of the summer. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only in theaters June 14. Get tickets now. You're listening to the new Mutual Audio Network. Welcome home. The following audio drama is rated PG for parental guidance recommended. How do I... I'll skip ahead a bit. No, I can't skip ahead. I'll... All right, everybody, into the time machine. No, 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 you don't understand how radio works. All I have to do to return this is fade my voice out like this and cue the organist. And you see, here we are. Wait a minute. 63 Audio presents the old-time radio essentials. Greetings all who gather here, and welcome back to Season 3 of Old Time Radio Essentials. If this is your first time joining us, and even if it ain't, I must inform you that this is Episode 37, also known as the second episode of 2023, a.k.a. the 12th episode of Season 3. My name is Paul... I'm Dave. And this is Pete. You know, folks, we spend most of our time right here in the Old Time Radio Sculpture Studio, carefully selecting the finest available softwoods and hardwoods, such as black walnut, basswood, and aspen, and then using only the highest quality chisels, mallets, and spoon gouges, carved filigrees, shields, mottos, and faces to construct the ornamental edifice that is our rotational pick for this program. Yeah, but sometimes... And just sometimes, folks, we, we hop aboard an over-decorated 1965 Chevy Corvair with a chrome-plated spoiler on the tail end, get driven out to some deserted shack in the hills of southern Missouri, pry off a desiccated shingle, and with the aid of a 10-year-old Swiss Army knife, create the graffiti-covered paperweight of entertainment that is our current selection. But not every time, that's for sure. Thank God. And so we come to you, our listeners, to present specific episodes of certain old-time radio series. They might be episodes that stand out as particularly representative of those series, or they might be one of those quotable episodes that fans of old-time radio like to discuss, either in person or on social media. Or they might be like today's episode, which we'll get to later. As you may have derived from these earlier comments... To put it succinctly, we all take turns choosing a show for discussion. Now, last episode, it was my pick, uh, and that was an episode of Let George Do It, entitled There Ain't No Justice, in case you missed it. And now, Paul, my guy, it's your turn to lift that graffiti-covered shingle and reveal an old-time radio gem for this installment. So tell us, what do you have for us today, Paulie? Today... My fellow secret agents, to wrap up our third season, I'm bringing you an episode of Counter Spy from 1945. 
Counterspy, also known as David Harding Counterspy, was a radio series that aired on the NBC Blue Network, later ABC, and Mutual from May 18, 1942 to November 29, 1957. David Harding, played by Don McLaughlin, was chief of the United States Counterspies, a fictional government agency devised by the program's creator, Phillips H. Lord, after Lord had a certain amount of difficulty with J. Edgar Hoover over certain story content in one of his other shows, Gangbusters. And I'm so happy to be able to mention Gangbusters because it allows Paulie to say... Harry Red Beaver. Uh, yeah. Uh, um, <laughs> the program's plots progressed through. Say it one more time. I love it so much. Harry oh. Red Beaver. <laughs> During World War II, <laughs> they have involved threats from the Axis powers. After the war ended, Cold War threats took precedence. And in the third phase, they addressed all manner of illegal activities. So now. Without further delay, we present Don McLaughlin as David Harding in The Exploding Dog. Yes, you heard that right, from July 25th, 1945, Encounter Spy. And now, friends, adjust your radio dials to the proper frequency. Get comfortable and listen. Fresh. The new cream deodorant presents David Harding, Counterspy. Washington, calling David Harding, Counterspy. Washington, calling David Harding, Counterspy. Harding, Counterspy, calling Washington. David Harding Counterspy is brought to you by Fresh. Fresh, the new cream deodorant that stops perspiration worries safely. Switch to Fresh to be sure. Two weeks ago, Charles Pierce, a man in his early 30s, immaculately dressed, slight, with piercing eyes, stood in the hallway of a large graystone apartment building in Baltimore. With him was a young woman, Dora Lester. I do not feel this is good, Charles. The biggest opportunity we ever had, Dora. You have never met this man. Oh, I know all about him, though. He is in command. You're very strange in my stomach. A woman's intuition. That's enough. We're paid well to take chances. You do not think this is a trick? You have your gun? Mm -hmm. Always. But I won't need it, Dora. It's a great honor to meet him. His espionage work is known all over the world. For two years, he was in command of all Gestapo agents in Spain. Yes? Mr. Burley? Yes? We received your message to come here. When? Day before yesterday. We were in Boston. Come in. 
over to the table. Just sit down, please. Now, if you will establish your identity. Now, this is my lady friend, Dora Lester. She worked with me under hard... Just a moment. Remove your hat, Dora. Why, yes, yes. Uh-huh. This picture is a very good likeness of you. you. You've got a picture of me? When was it taken? The important part is that it was taken for identification. So you use the name Charles Pierce. You wish some identification, Mr. Burley? Unnecessary. I was standing unobserved right at the desk of the hotel when you signed in last night. I wanted to see your handwriting. Well, no wonder, Mr. Burley, you're famous for your precautions. From now on, you two will take orders from me. Come along. May I ask where we are going? To the eighth floor balcony of a certain building. You'll be very surprised at what you see. could very easily fall to his death from this balcony. Couldn't he, Mr. Burley? Very easily, Dora. Now, Charles, see that long, low building over there? The one fenced in with the barbed wire? Yes. That building is the United States Government Laboratory. Covers these two acres. And the Guards who are patrolling there? Just a moment. Till I close the fire door. Uh. There are 12 guards there. Night and day. There's a beam of an electric eye which goes all around the building. Automatic protective devices of every description. So they protect in gold? Something even more valuable. Bugs. Bugs? You're fooling. No. They have bugs in there worth as much as $5,000 each. I hate bugs. I couldn't hate any bug worth $5,000. What is the mystery of them, Mr. Burley? One of the greatest allies of the Japanese, disease caused by jungle bugs. Disease Americans have never experienced. While the United States government has had hundreds of specialists capturing these odd bugs in the Pacific. Oh, these bugs are brought to this country and placed in that building. Each species, especially heated rooms, tropical conditions, their own special food. They're bred there. Millions of them. You mean they keep all of the bugs there so the United States can experiment on them to develop poison sprays to kill each different kind? Exactly. New poisonous sprays could not be developed to kill these bugs if there were not thousands of those different species to experiment on. The breeding of some of these bugs is a very complicated process. For instance, Mr. Burley, United States Marines land on an island. Yes, and possibly in 24 hours, a certain percentage of the Marine invaders will be suffering from sickness caused by some kind of a bite from these little-known bugs. Each island, each jungle is hundreds of different kinds. But suppose the Marines do know about the bugs before they land. What can they do about it? If a certain poisonous spray has been developed... Effective against the type of bugs they know they will encounter. American planes fly over the island. 
thousands of gallons of the spray. Spray the jungles? Many of the bugs were destroyed. Mm-hmm. No wonder those bugs in that laboratory are valuable. But the way that laboratory's guarded, it would be impossible to get near it or destroy the bugs. Impossible for anyone but me. See that building just at the end of the laboratory? Yeah. That is a scientific library. And it is open to medical students who wish to do research there on insecticides. Is it guarded? Certainly. A guard at the door. He searches everyone when they enter or leave. The guard's name is Connors. Connors. In the evening when he's off duty, Connors often drinks beer down the street over at the restaurant with a sign. Yeah. You are to meet him. Find out what his hobbies are. What he eats. What he likes. Then report to me by telephone. Department 11 to 9. When you visit the scientific library again tomorrow, I will have had something planned. Hello, Connors. Hi, Charlie. Well, I'll be... Of all the times you've come to the library here, you didn't tell me you owned a dog. How do you like him? Come here, boy. Come here. <laughs> hey, that's a peach of a dog. Belgian Shepherd. Yeah. Boy, let's see your mouth. You liking dogs so much, Carter, you sold me the idea. So I bought this one. About two years old, huh? Uh-huh. Now you got something. Yeah, and he's highly trained. I don't want to lose out on my reading at the library here, so... Uh... Can't I take him in with me and tie him to the leg of a chair? Well, I don't know as I should let you, but... <laughs> yeah, that dog's almost human, ain't he? How about it? Okay, take him in with you. Hey, Charlie. Wait a minute. Yeah? I got to set you, you know. You still have to after knowing me so well? This library section's right next to the scientific laboratory, you know. I wouldn't let my own mother in without searching her. Okay. Arms up. Turn around. Okay. You're sure a thorough guard, Connie. I got two kids in the Pacific. You bet I'm thorough. Okay, Charlie. If you keep them quiet, you can take them in. Dora, this dog doesn't like Mr. Burley's apartment here. I can see from the way he looks, Charlie. 
Now, Charles. Yes, sir? For three weeks now, you've been taking this dog into the library next to the laboratory. You sure the guard likes the dog? Connie? Crazy about him. That ammo potassium I gave to the dog. Really made him look good and sick. Oh, yeah, yeah. His nose was hot and dry. His, uh, his eyes glassy. Oh. And you did not bring the dog's apparent sickness to the attention of Connor. Oh, no, no, no. I was just going into the scientific library with the dog when he looked at him and he said, uh, Your dog's sick, Charlie. Give him sulfur thiazole. And if I was you, I'd put a blanket on him for a couple of days. Keep him bundled up. Perfect. So the guard himself suggested the blanks. <laughs> sure did. Wonderful. Yeah, easy, boy, easy. Come here. It's our big moment, Charlie. A climax. Now, that's pentalite. Pentalite? What's that? It's an explosive more powerful than TNT. Explosive? That's right. And a little time watch. That'll set it off. You, you're... We'll sew the explosive and the time watch right into the underside of the dog's blanket. Well, I... You'll walk into the library with a sick dog that the guard Connors has got a weakness for. He'll search you. But with his type of mind, he'll never think to feel under the dog's heavy blanket. Because he himself suggested the blanket. Yeah, yeah. But what about me? You'll tie the dog to a leg of a chair in the library. The time watch will set the charge off at exactly 11. At five minutes of 11, make an excuse. Walk out. Disappear. Well, I... I dreamed of such a thing. Well, blow the library and the laboratory with all its expensive bugs off the face of the earth. It'll take them years to collect and breed new ones. It seems like the dog knows what's going on. Tomorrow morning, Charles. Take the dog in a taxi cab. Drive right to the laboratory. You'll have enough explosive wrapped around him to blow a city to kingdom come. And now, ladies and gentlemen, we come to that part of our program known as Be Fresh or Be Fired. <laughs> yes, the Be Fresh or Be Fired department. Maybe you might want to call it the Be Fresh or Be Lonely department. Well, anyhow, it's a quiz corner where a fresh answer is always welcome. First question. Why do you refer to 4 o'clock in the working day as a time when you're apt to come up against the deodorant deadline? And the answer. Because when you're working, an embarrassing deodorant failure is more likely to happen toward the day's end. When you're out on a date at night, 10 o'clock is another sort of zero hour. But why be worried? Switch to that new cream deodorant fresh, to be sure. Second, a man's question. Is using fresh a sissy thing to do? And the answer? Well, fresh is a big seller among GIs and post exchanges all around the world. That's plenty answer. Which brings us to a question frequently asked. I get conflicting advice from people I know on how to be sure of personal daintiness. I'm confused. Well, friends, as many famous beauty editors and authorities on good grooming can tell you... Modern science has the answer, and Fresh brings it to you. In Fresh, you get the benefit of the most effective perspiration-stopping ingredient known to science. Fresh contains an exclusive ingredient. Fresh cream deodorant stops perspiration worries completely and safely. It's safe for you 
and for your clothing. It's creamy and smooth, not sticky, doesn't dry out, and it's never gritty. So it's a pleasure to switch to fresh, to be sure. Now back to David Harding, Counter Spy. Driver, pull up right in front of the scientific library. Right next to the, uh, the laboratories, eh? Okay, buddy. What's the matter with your dog? Got the pip? <laughs> Not feeling good. I was wondering why you had a blanket on him in this hot weather. 55, mister. Let me get my dog out first. Come on, boy. Get out. Get out. <laughs> He seems to like staying in my cab, huh? Get out. Come on, come on, come on. Hey, I guess he sees the big dog the woman's got over there. Got the change of a dollar? Oh, sure. I guess the big police dog over there don't like your dog. Stop it, stop it. Hey, there. That woman's having trouble holding her dog. Hey, hold on to your dog. Don't bring him over here. I can't hold him. He's stronger than I am. Gonna be some action. Hey, hold on to that dog. Boy, come here, come here now. You're too late, mister. Hey, you gotta hold that dog. Get your dog away. I can't. Come on, boy, come here, come here. She's lost him. Explosion on sidewalk, blowing taxicab and two or more persons to pieces. Emergency. Harding speaking. All roving Washington counterspy investigators leave for Baltimore immediately. Emergency. Explosion in front of government laboratories. Everett, I want you to leave for Baltimore with me at once. This is the craziest case I ever heard of, Mr. Harding. Why would anybody want to blow up the street in front of the government experimental laboratory? You think it was an attempt to blow up the laboratory and it went wrong? Definitely. The guard in the research laboratory saw it happen. And the explosion resulted from a dogfight. A dogfight? The most fantastic thing. We're up against a very unusual mind, Everett. Anything left from the explosion to examine? Nothing. The man who had one of the dogs, the woman who had the other dog, the taxi cab, the taxi cab driver, all were blown to bits. It was a terrific explosion. As soon as we reach Baltimore, we'll set up a thorough investigation. Baltimore Field Office, Harding speaking. We located the kennels, Mr. Harding, where the dog was bought. Man came in. He bought the dog without leaving his name or address. What do our agents report from the scene of the explosion? Another thing. It must have been a terrific explosion. What about the man who drove the taxi? 
Uh, he's a discharged veteran. Good American. Oh. Well, Everett, this is one of the most uniquely conceived plots. There just isn't any starting point. Let me think a minute. We've got to find the starting point. These agents will make another attempt to destroy that laboratory. What are your orders, sir? Enemy agents had a dog. They now don't have a dog. We could start a house-to-house canvas. Well, that'll take us months. Come back to the field office, Everett. I've got an idea. We'll work out of here. I'm feeling very nervous, Mr. Burley. Can't we leave this apartment and go someplace? What time is it, Dora? Almost midnight. All right. We'll go out to eat. Seems funny not having Charlie around. Don't mention that fool. He bungled my whole plan. Have the newspapers said anything about the explosion? Just one little item. The government must have clamped down with censorship. You're going to try some other way to destroy the laboratory? Of course. But this time I'll do it myself. Oh. You're, uh... You're rather pretty, Dora. <laughs> I like you, too. Who's, who's that? You don't suppose Charlie really wasn't killed? Oh, strange, this time of night. I'm frightened. Stop it. I didn't leave one possible clue. Yes? Are you Mr. Burley who lives here? Yes. I'm David Harding of the United States Counter Spies. This is one of my agents, Mr. Everett. May we come in, Mr. Burley? Why, yes, yes, come in. This is Miss Dora Lester, a friend of mine. How do you do, Miss Lester? This is Mr. Everett. How do you do? Miss Lester. May I ask why you have called, Mr. Harding? Well, three days ago, Mr. Burley, there was a dog which caused an explosion in front of the Baltimore Scientific Laboratories. Why, that's strange. Yes, very strange, Mr. Burley. In fact, peculiar. These are government orders. Neither one of you is to move. Just a minute. No minute at all. I'm frisking you. No gun. Ever check, Miss Lester? No gun either. Mr. Harding, your attitude is uncalled for. Mr. Burley, my men have been covering Baltimore. Restaurants, meat markets, pet shops, formulas, everything. Well, we found a restaurant right across the street where a man had been buying food for a dog every day. He hasn't bought any such food for the last three days. I suppose you're referring to me. Yes. Well, uh, what am I supposed to say? You're supposed to do some pretty tall explaining. Where is your dog, Mr. Burley? He, uh, died. Oh? He didn't die by being blown to bits, did he, Mr. Burley? No. My dog died a natural death. Ah, I see. Well, when a dog does die a natural death, of course, there's always the body. Isn't there? Why, uh, yes. Where is your dog's body, Mr. Burley? Well, I was very attached to him. I took him and buried him in the country. Suppose you show us where. At this time of night? Yes. All right. Must I drive out, too? I'm afraid, Miss Lester, you must. Oh. 
David Harding will be back in a moment. But meanwhile, what do you think is the best advice to give to a young lady who says... You know, when my lipstick has gone back on me, or when it's worn off, or, <laughs> or maybe kissed off, my little mirror is a good friend. It always warns me. But when my deodorant has gone back on me, nothing or no one will warn me. What's a girl to do? Well, friends, as many famous beauty editors and experts on good grooming and personal charm can tell you, modern science has the answer. And Fresh brings it to you. Yes, Fresh contains the most effective perspiration-stopping ingredient known. Fresh contains an exclusive ingredient. Fresh stops perspiration worries completely and safely. Ladies and gentlemen, each and every one of you, someday, sometime, may reach your deodorant deadline. The deodorant you are using may suddenly stop working. Why take chances? For lasting protection, switch to Fresh. To be sure... That's F-R-E-S-H. Fresh. Now, back to David Harding, Counterspy. to help you raise a little digging, Mr. Harding. They're doing all right, thank you, Mr. Burley. I'll just switch the beam of the searchlight, Everett. I feel like I'm going to faint. Keep still, Dora. You evidently don't believe me about burying my dog here, Mr. Harding. I'm afraid I don't, Mr. Burley. Look, Mr. Harding. There is something down there. What? Huh. Everett, dig a little more right there. Right. thought your whole story of burying your dog here was preposterous. Well, I've had a dog for quite a while. Three days ago, he got taken with cramp. Died before I could get a doctor. I felt so badly, I brought him here and buried him in this field. Miss Lester, we owe you an apology also. I'm so nervous and upset. Frightened me so the way you came into the apartment. We do make mistakes sometimes, and this is one. Well, we'll just have to start from the beginning again and look for another clue. I'll arrange immediately, Mr. Burley, for one of my agents to drive you and Miss Lester back to your apartment. <sighs> Seems so good to be back in the apartment again. The poor driver running out of gas. All over being upset from your experience tonight, Dora? Yes, Mr. Burley, I guess so. Everyone makes mistakes, you know. You, Mr. Harding. You'd be a very charming man. I don't see how you ever found in that darkness where you buried that dog. Oh, that was simple. That was a dirty trick you pulled on me, Burley. 
I'm not in the habit of telling everyone everything. You could have told me that you killed another dog and buried him out there. How do you think I felt all that time when you were claiming you did? And I thinking as soon as we got out there, there wouldn't be any dog's grave and we'd be caught. You might as well learn to trust my judgment. I'll go into your room and get cleaned up. We'll go out to a restaurant and get something to eat. Charles used to tell me everything he was doing. And Charles spoiled my whole plan and got himself blown to pieces. Just the same. We had fun together. And we... Get your hands up, both of you. What's the meaning of this? Put your hands up. These cuffs are going on you. Wait a minute, wait a minute. I can explain. You've already done your explaining, Burley. I hoped you wouldn't suspect anything when my agent pretended to run out of gas while bringing you two back to the apartment. It gave me time to go to the police station and see if anyone during the past three days had lost a black shepherd dog with a tooth missing from the lower right jaw. What does that prove? It proves that when your other dog was blown to pieces, you didn't dare go to the kennels and buy another. So you looked until you could steal one. You killed him and buried him out there just in case there was some slip and you were approached. Will I be put in prison if I tell everything I know? Shut up, you fool. What I'd like to do to you, Burley, is throw you to a whole kennel of dogs. They'd give you what you deserve. But instead, you're going to go to the electric chair. And a lot of men will be coming home from the Pacific who wouldn't be if your fiendish plan had worked. Burley, consider yourself under arrest by the United States government for espionage and murder. Mr. Harding to tell you about next week's case. I have before me a report of a German minesweeper which had just sailed into an Atlantic port and given itself up. I have here a report of a suspect living at an expensive, exclusive summer hotel overlooking that same port. This girl has recently fallen in love. And here's a report of a body just found in the same harbor. All these things don't happen like that unless they're carefully planned. This case is an emergency. We're leaving to investigate it immediately. Hear the startling, exciting account of this case, Wednesday, August 1st, same time, same station. David Harding, Counterspy. Harding Counterspy is brought to you by Fresh. Fresh, the new cream deodorant that stops perspiration worries safely. Switch to Fresh, to be sure. David Harding Counterspy is a Phillips H. Lloyd production for Fresh, the new cream deodorant. We're back with Old Time Radio Essentials. This is Dave with Paul and Pete. And that was an episode of Counter Spy from July 25th, 1945, originally broadcast on the Blue Network. Okay. And now, Paul, since it was your pick this time, tell us, oh, snowy-haired mountain of wisdom, why you chose this particular episode. Thank you, old chromium dome tower of knowledge. Jeebus, you guys, get a room. Curb thy, <laughs> curb thy tongue. Pond scum of ignorance. Oh, for the love of... Will you tell us already? All right, all right. I I just... I look around, and I try and find ones that we haven't done yet. After three years, it's getting a little, you know, a little bit thinner. But sometimes you run into ones that's like, 
Holy, I have never heard of this one. And it ran for what, 13 years. Quite a while, yeah. It's like, that's hard to believe that. I never even heard of this one. And so once I start reading into the thing, it was really pretty interesting how it was the same guy that did Gangbusters. I won't say it again, Dave. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> thank you, thank you. And so Harry Red yeah. Beaver. <laughs> did I sound like Paul? You did. You sounded disturbingly <laughs> like Paul. Actually, <laughs> but uh, what I thought was, I was reading some of the stuff, and they're asking about the tricks that the spies use and everything and according to the guy who wrote this he was in i think sas or oss something like that to where he was like a counter spy and so all the stuff that they talk about in this show they actually did actual spies used it like you know bomb the size of a book of matches or you know putting a bomb on a dog kind of thing but he goes none of this stuff is far-fetched you know i might have got something that wasn't exactly like they did it and changed it a little bit but for the most part everything that they did spies actually did which is kind of weird because if you listen to multiple episodes of this thing you're like uh-huh <laughs> okay and I did. I've listened to multiple episodes of this, and I love doing that. It's just—it's kind of like how I do music too. If it's—if it's a group that's been around for a while and they have a lot of albums, I'll listen to their first album, I'll listen to their latest album, and then I'll listen to one in the middle, and see how things change along the way. And so that's what I do with the old time radio shows too. And it was fairly consistent throughout. You know, aside from, I think the one that we had, maybe the actual Foley guys were on vacation or something, because <laughs> ah, not the greatest job of Foley artists I've ever heard, but, you know, and it was very, very kind of cut and dry, you know, we're, we're here because we're talking about the American way and nothing will follow that up if we can help it. So that's... It was very propaganda-ish. So, but it was it was entertaining, so that's okay. Next. Mm -hmm. What you got? Well, um... Don't sugarcoat it, Pete. Just give it. Let me start out by saying that this was a really good story. And a good writer could have really done some wonderful things with it. <laughs> <laughs> because you got one guy telling another guy exactly what's going to happen step by step. We're going to get a dog and then we're going to put a blanket around him. Then we're going to attach a bomb underneath. And then nobody's going to know that the bomb is there because this guy loves dogs. And so nobody's going to worry about this dog. So you can get in, he'll search you and he won't even think of searching. And then he goes, blah, 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 blah. Oh my God. They could have left some of that stuff out is all I'm saying. Yeah. Left more time for those wonderful commercials from, Fresh. Fresh. F-R-E-S-H or whatever the jingle was. Fresh. But But those were pretty funny commercials because they had the questions like, isn't using deodorant sissy stuff? And so the <laughs> yeah, guy says, fancy. Fresh is bought by your good old American GIs overseas and PX is all over the world. 
and given to women. But they're fruity. <laughs> you know who's buying them. The guys buy them, but they give them to the women so they don't stink up the place. Corporal light loafers. <laughs> don't ask, don't tell. <laughs> but, but there was just <laughs> the whole premise of this uh, uh, Bureau of Counter Spies. The guy opens the door and says, Hi, I'm from the Bureau of Counter Spies. He's like, <laughs> He's announcing <laughs> that he's a spy. Yeah. Okay. Don't you like that? The whole premise of, of, of him being, you know, he's not a secret agent, obviously. <laughs> he's an open air agent <laughs> telling well, everybody a secret he's about a him. spy. See, spies oh, you mean are David Harding the spy. Oh, let's go. <laughs> God. <laughs> so I, I, I listened to a few of these, I mean, years ago and, and was, was less than impressed. <laughs> and, and, Again, it's just like with Let George Do It and all these other shows. You've got a formula. They stick with the formula. People listen to it, and it works. But it there was just too much on-the-nose dialogue. And for a modern oh, listener, no. a modern listener is like, so the woman says, I wish we could get out of this apartment instead of, I wish we could get out of here, like anybody else would say. I wish we could mm -hmm. get out of this apartment. Hold still, I'm frisking you. And <laughs> well, it's put so your nice hands over your head. I'm apartment. putting these handcuffs on. Yep. Love it. Walk over and, to the table. Clop, and, clop, it's just clop, like, clop, clop. and it's just like you said, Paul, the sound effects guys were on vacation or something <laughs> because a sound effect could have saved that. You know, like, the clicking of the handcuffs, he wouldn't Ooh. have had to say that. A pat, the sound of something being patted down would have saved the fact that he was being, he was frisking him. And, and it's just. <sighs> the dog effects were great. Oh, God. <laughs> it did sound like a real dog, except when the guy said he's almost Rolf. human because he sounded like a guy doing a dog. <laughs> but there were some barks that sounded bark. exactly like dog barks. And, and I'm so, just surprised he didn't just read it straight. Bark. bark. <laughs> Woof. Or, or birds outside. Chirp. Tweet. 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 <laughs> Chirp. But um, how about that explosion? That terrific explosion? That terrible explosion that no terrific. That was up, the word. Over sounded, and over again. To me, terrific. it sounded like this. <laughs> I listened to it twice. I missed it the first time, and the second time I listened, it was like that was an explosion. That was an explosion. You call that an explosion? Geez, <laughs> you never seen me on chilly night. <laughs> I have Paulie on chilly night. <laughs> He'll quick, do quick, all get the microphone. Wow. He'll do all of your explosions. Wow. Whoa. So. <laughs> Bombs underwater. Like I said, a good, it's okay. It was an okay story. You know, some good elements and an and interesting premise with the dog. And then how they found out, you know, all this stuff and how he killed a dog and buried it and, and that sort of thing. All of those were very interesting. It's just that the way it was put together left me cold. See. Yeah. Yeah. How about you, Dave? Uh, first of all, we should have put up a content warning, cruelty to animals on this <laughs> one. because Trigger crap. warning. Two dogs uh, die in this story. <laughs> yep. Horribly. Um, boy, where to start? Um, Paulie, respect, man. You you always bring a feast to the table. All right. Let me let me just lead off. Something worth that. talking about. Feast. Yes. This was a bologna sandwich. This oh, we wish. We wish there was bologna in this sandwich. Um 
God, I, you know, usually I go through it and I take my notes and then I try and organize them into coherency. I figured why start now after listening to that episode? Um, <laughs> so first of all, all the male actors sounded alike. They did. They did. They, yep. they were all the same guys. And I'm sorry, the entire cast really needs to knock off the codeine and start drinking some freaking coffee. Because, I mean, the whole first five minutes was long pauses and lethargic delivery. And it's like, I'm going to sleep here, people. This is, come on, this is radio theater, man. No. I was driving while I listened. I almost died. I'm telling you. <laughs> and, and okay, so just working down my list here, the description at the, at the top, he's a slight man with piercing eyes. It's like everything else is physical. He's tall. He's wearing this. He's got, and he has piercing eyes. It's like, <laughs> okay, interesting yeah. detail. Thank you. And then, and then this guy, part of this guy, and a guy's nice smile, and a nice smile, uh, and and part of this guy's credentials is he was with the Spanish Gestapo. Oh yes, the Spanish Gestapo, the terror terrors I've I've heard all about the Spanish Gestapo. Okay. No one expects the Spanish, the Spanish Gestapo. Gestapo. That's where I went. That's exactly where Our I chief went. Chief element is surprise. That's all, just surprise. And 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 let's see what else. So. The, uh, the so the, the the caper goes awry and there's an explosion on the street and the guy on the loudspeaker calling all cars is emergency emergency. There's been an explosion. There's been an explosion blowing up a taxi cab and two or more people to pieces. It's like to pieces, really? Is that the is that the technical? Jargon they use when they're doing these official things. Hurry to this. Well, depends. They measured them. If they were more than six inches, then they would have been blown to chunks. Chunks. Gotcha. Okay. (laughs) Very good. Very good. Well, they're they're not allowed to use the word smithereens. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. Ah, right. It's right there with "Happy Birthday." It's got copyright. I get it. Probably. (laughs) Okay. By Alan Smithy. (laughs) So so and then jumping ahead to that statement where the cab and people were blown to smithereens. Apparently, you know, Detective Harding of Counterspy found enough of the dog to trace where it came from in order to track it to the bad guys in the first place. I, I well, missed he, that. I, I missed how that happened. Just, he, he is the head up. counter-spy. That means he, he is really good. He shows is, up at the guy's door saying that there was a restaurant across the street, right? Right, so, right. But how, they, they how canvassed, did he find that? How long did it take? They canvassed every grocery store and pet food store in the five boroughs and, right. and said, give us every bit of information you have about all your dog food sales because we're hunting down, playing a hunch here. Give me a break. And how um, how many men does he have? Because you know this is a government agency. Right, three or four. Three or four. Six there's, months there's, later, as as <laughs> after, I mean, Connor, the security guard, was more interesting than than the entire other cast. Uh, Connor was cool. I, I kind of liked Connor. Um, sorry, he got blown. I up. don't remember who he is. He's the security guard that that that. Snidely whipped no, like the, the dogs. The dogs. The dog sent, yeah. Yeah. The, sent, the sent dog Charlie to schmooze yeah. because Charlie, 
Charlie apparently goes to this restaurant with the, the restaurant with the sign and drinks beer. So Charlie needs to go down and, and to this restaurant with a sign and drink beer with Connor so he can schmooze him and figure it out. And then the report, it's like, he likes dogs. And, and Snidely Whiplash says, oh, very interesting. To which Charlie says, oh. it's like, my sentiments exactly, Charlie. I, don't, I really do not care. I, you better get to the point here pretty quick. And so so uh, it just goes on and on. Um, the, the big plan was to cripple the U.S. military by stopping their fumigation research to keep jungle bugs from biting our GIs overseas and infecting them with malaria. That was the big plan. Yeah. Yeah, it was. Okay, good. Because <laughs> the air fumigation guard is such a prestigious branch of the, of the military service. Oh, oh, I, I, I think it was a combination of that and also trying to find a cure for any of the Diseases. pathogens that they would have released yeah, if they bit somebody. Yeah. So yes, trying to right. cure the people along mm. with the fumigation. Mm. For a second, when I was listening, I was thinking, are they going to steal these bugs from the lab and then spread it around? I was I was else. waiting for them to program the bugs to be like assassin bugs or something interesting yeah. like that. But no. no, we just need to blow up the lab so we can't create DDT. It's like, okay, awesome, cool. I, I'm, the, the ads, the ads for Fresh were more interesting than the episode itself. I'm sorry. <laughs> I the, agree the, with you there. It was be fresh or it be fire. from very sedate <laughs> and slow to fresh. Hey. And everything was upbeat and wonderful and happy. And there were quizzes. And, you know. Yeah. Is and, there and a time of day when your deodorant runs out? Oh, the the you may reach your deodorant deadline. Oh, That's yes. a deodorant deadline. When, yes. when my lipstick gets kissed off, I have my little friend the mirror to tell me. <laughs> but no one will tell me when I, my deodorant kisses off. Yeah. So, so I do well, this. They don't kiss me anymore. Yeah. <laughs> I lift my armpit and smell. That tells me that my deodorant deadline is approaching. And, and the fact that modern science has the answer for good grooming and personal charm. Better so, living through science. Modern science is going to make me more charming. That's awesome. <laughs> That's great. I Let's was uh, reading one of the... Uh, I, did you ever hear of the old uh, magazines, Argosy? Yes. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I was that going was through one of those, and there was an ad in there for your personal hygiene, and they didn't really mean gargling. They meant washing with and it was an ad for Listerine. Mm. Listerine was uh, touted for um, douches for women. Yep. And, and for, and for uh, washing under the arms. And dandruff. Yep. Yeah, all this. Oh, things. speaking of which, when, when <laughs> so when Charlie brings the sick dog into Connor, Connor drops, you should give him some sulfur thiazole. And it's Did like. Did you look that up? I you damn right means. I did. <laughs> <laughs> I was like I said I was driving when I listened to that, so I didn't I didn't think to look oh, it up. Oh yeah, it's it's an antioxidant, analgesic, antibacterial, anti-cancer, anti-allergic, anti-hypertensive, anti-inflammatory, anti-malarial, anti-fungal, and antipsychotic. Holy mackerel! That's a lot of anti. That it's... dog is freaking crazy. <laughs> he's yeah, he's and super he's dog. And he has malaria. <laughs> And let's see. So it's midnight. All right, let's go out to eat. 
And that, of course, is when it's New York. It's it's when Captain Duright, Mr. Harding of Counter Spy, shows up at the apartment at freaking midnight, saying, <laughs> "Hi, how you doing? Do you mind if we go check and see where you buried your?" Dog? I didn't even bother to worry if you were in bed or not. So. Exactly not. No, <laughs> no, certainly not. Where is your dog's body? Show us. Are you freaking? No, <laughs> no. How about no? Jeez, Louise. You then, have a then, search warrant, no, but I am the counter spy. spy. I'm oh, from the okay. government. Oh well, okay then. <laughs> Due process. The heck with that. We're the government. Um, and then so the trailer for next week. All right. So there's a German U-boat in the port, a body in the port, and a girl in love. These things, quote unquote, don't happen unless they're carefully planned. So we're going to check it out. Like, um, these three things are all carefully planned. I, wow, one of these <laughs> things is not like the other. <laughs> I just, I, wow, I'm. This was, this was entertaining, in not the way you want a show to be entertaining. It was highly entertaining. Once I realized what I was listening to. And once again, Paul, you have pulled one out of some strange orifice. You have brought us a feast. A feast, I say. You know what? You gotta say this about the ones I pick. It gives us something to talk about. It really does. And I'm I'm not being facetious or sarcastic when I say that. You do. You bring these things (laughs) that invite conversation. That's appreciated. It's a lot of fun. It's fun to so, hate. It's so much fun to hate. So much fun to hate. All right, guys. What do you say? Shall we vote? Are we? Yeah. Are you good? ready to? Okay, we're ready. Here, here's what we're voting on. What exactly, dear listener, are we voting on? As a reminder, we are voting on a whether this particular episode is a true representative installment of the overall series, and. Two, whether or not it is a standalone show that belongs in every Radio Aficionados collection. And again, Paul, since this was your baby, you go first. Well, thank you, Dave. I myself, I thought it was fair. I mean, the the like you said, you know, there was a the sound was it's like like I said, all the guys sounded alike. You know, the Foley guy had to be on vacation and they gave it to his five-year-old nephew. You know? (laughs) Here, just just stomp these shoes across here. It'll be just fine. Can I wear them, Daddy? (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, there was a lot lot of schmaltz on this thing and with the, you know, but we're the government. We're here to help kind of attitude. You know, that everyone was, was pulling in the same decorated. direction, at least back then. You know, not nowadays, but back then, everyone was still trying to pull in the same direction. And so they could get away with stuff like, I'm with the government, I'm here to help. You know? Um, but yeah, there was a lot of holes in it and everything. But again, this would be a good one for people who are just dipping their toe into the water of old-time radio and don't really know what's out there. Unless you unless you try something crappy, you don't know good when you taste good. So I give it a half a thumbs up. <laughs> the, the, okay, Paul? 
Paul? Yeah. <laughs> our, our rating system doesn't work like that, friend. Mine uh, there are no thumbs. No thumbs. There are no thumbs. We want to know, <laughs> is it a true rep representative installment of the overall series? And two, does it belong in every radio aficionado's collection? Well, I listened to enough episodes to where I would have to say, yeah, it's a pretty good representation of uh, installment of the overall series. And it depends on how much I hate all other radio aficionado <laughs> collectors. Um, so that's a yes and a no. <laughs> I'll go with a yes and a no. Okay. Pete, what about you, man? Okay. Uh, I, I agree that this is a... Um, definitely representative they followed the formula i've i've listened to enough of these to know that they they handle it pretty much the same way every time uh it is not a standalone show it does not belong in any radio aficionado's collection unless <laughs> any unless they're a fan of counter spy so it, it's a niche thing i think it's a niche thing the acting is so low-key it is and 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 others oh, I don't, nobody's mentioned like this yet, so I'll mention it. When when somebody asks somebody a question, they say, well, <laughs> yes. And well. why, no, no, I didn't. So, <laughs> that happened a lot. And it's like, oh, oh, it happens enough that you notice it. It's like yeah. so, so. And with the, with the pauses, like you said, Dave, it's just so, so bad. So I would say... <laughs> It and yes to a and it is definitely not something that belongs unless you are building a collection of counter spy episodes. So that's how I vote. There you go. Well, and allow me again to express my very genuine respect to both of you for for having listened to more than one episode of this series. <laughs> um, and I seriously, I mean, I, mean, that, I that got shows... PTSD. That's right. Well, the first time I didn't know any better, and the second time Paul assigned it. So it's like, <laughs> <laughs> I gotta. <laughs> yeah, now you're forced to. Yeah, uh, there, was, there was no way in God's green earth I'm going to fire up another episode of Counter Spy <laughs> for the rest of my life. Uh, so it may be a true. I'm just going to lean on you guys and say, sure. Yeah, it's a representative installment. And as such, it does not belong anywhere but in deep, deep, deep in the Library of Congress, way back. <laughs> In behind the Ark of the Covenant, uh, uh, <laughs> under a floorboard somewhere where someday somebody covenant. might find it. I don't know. The Ark of the Counter Spy. The Ark yeah. of the Counter Spy. <laughs> radio drama. Why did uh, it have to be radio drama? <laughs> I hate radio drama. <laughs> dun 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 dun. Bark. <laughs> well he sounds almost human <laughs> almost <laughs> raggy let me walk across the the room and turn off the light i'm going upstairs <laughs> clunk, 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 clunk. <sighs> okay <laughs> well folks this brings us to the end of episode 37 or if you live in a parallel universe, episode 12 of season three with Dave Robinson, Pete Lutz, and me, Paul RBC. With this episode, we come to the end of another successful, if you want to call it that, season of old time radio essentials. Pete, Pete, will there be a season four, Pete? Mm, what? A fourth season? 
Well, why the hell not? It gives me the chance to get together with you groovy cats about once a month. But I need to ask, are you fellas willing to come back to keep going with this here Enterprise? Enterprise? Will there be Star Trek episodes? (laughs) Well, only if you can... There are other meanings to that word, Dave. Oh, fine. Fine. Yes, okay. Yes. Only if you pay us as much as you've been paying us. I was going to give you a raise. Ooh. I, want, I want double. I want a percentage. Double right now. <laughs> Outstanding. If you can tell me how many people listen to this and <laughs> all of them, a dollar for every episode that gets listened to. <laughs> all right. So, yes, absolutely. And so, Pete, when we do kick off season four, dude, what? Oh, oh, Pete, what? Will be our opening salvo. Will you will you continue your your tradition of opening a season with an Orson Welles type goodie? Oh shocker! <laughs> Why fix what ain't broke? Heck no! Yes. If I can get my brother to make up his mind, he may be our guest next time, probably with an episode of The Lives of Harry Lime, which was a radio series based on Orson's character in the movie The Third Man. Oh wow! Have well, you heard of that one? I have, yes. Okay. I'm actually looking forward to that discussion. That'll be awesome. Great. It's a, it's a terrific series, as far as I'm that he's looking forward to. Yeah, it's Orson Welles. <laughs> it's quality audio drama. It's performance. It's foley. It's it's yes. I'm it's absolutely music. looking forward to that. Oh, whatever perfection, whatever. <laughs> oh, perfection. <laughs> you have such high standards, Robinson. Holy crap! <laughs> God, how dare you! I think I think there's a there's a trend. We're we're finally getting into a groove where each of us brings a specific type of show and 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 regardless of what series it is, it's it's based on our our, our personal tastes and Absolutely. not and not any any particular need to present a certain uh series. Or, or but, service to the public at all. No, we're just we're just fulfilling our own our own inclinations. Service to the public. Ah, me public. <laughs> Just for that, the next one I bring is going to be the readings of Socrates. There you go. Bring as it. As we, if we had by gangbusters, Marvin Miller reading the Socrates, <laughs> that would be pretty good. And now, before we wind up, I want to ask if anybody has anything new to report, Dave or Paul. Anything you want to tell us about? I just narrated a piece for uh, Podcastle, which was awesome. A thousand echoes in one voice. Uh, which will be coming out in April sometime. Uh, I've got some friends who are doing this very cool uh, uh, sort of Cirque du Soleil meets spoken verse poetry performance circus thing in Colorado, which is awesome. And they actually asked me to narrate uh, a a poem that's going to be the underscore for this whole unfolding scene that's going on. So that was a blast. Outstanding. Circus. And, uh, I thought they were going to ask Dave to be the ringleader. You, uh, I mean, with that facial hair, the ringmaster. Yeah, you with the top hat and that red jacket and all that. Yeah, baby, I, I would own that. Ladies and gentlemen, exactly. I can yeah. see him so doing that. They they wanted my buttery man voice. So there we go. There we go. So and other than that, still doing some uh, still doing some real estate narrations and continuing my search for agency and agent representation. Outstanding. How about you, Paulie? I'm a little bored right now. <laughs> I thought Where? you told me you're doing uh, something for uh, Richard Wade, U.S. Marshal. I'm done with that uh, okay. until char- the next what, episode what kind of comes out. Did you play? Huh? What kind of character did you play? 
Not much of one. Uh. I think I had seven lines, and my seven lines were comprised of, what was that? Is that a rock? Somebody there? <laughs> now, they're all like quarter sentences. So, but he goes, oh, I'm going to, uh, uh, we're going to uh, give you a bigger piece next time. I'm like, thank you. <laughs> and so I'm looking forward to that. <laughs> yeah, I had to ask for uh, something larger than, because I've had several small roles in that same series. So I had to ask for something a little more substantial. <laughs> well, as for me, my uh, I've received my uh, uh, cop my my office copies of my new book, which is called yes. "Get Me Get Me Out of Here and Other uh, Dra- Other Plays." It's uh, thirteen of my favorite original audio drama scripts, all bound together in one beautiful book, which is available through Gnashing Teeth Publishing and Amazon. Uh, but I recommend that you order it through. Uh, the publisher because there's a set price for uh, shipping. You don't pay anything extra except like so it's um, like thirty dollars for the book and three dollars and fifty cents for shipping or thirty dollars and includes shipping. I'm not sure, but it's a good price. So uh, that's pretty much all I have. And uh, my engineer Paul is uh, pointing at his non-existent watch on his wrist, saying, "Let's wrap this up." <laughs> is that what that means? <laughs> So that's it. And now, Paul, Dave, tell the masses what they need to know. Old Time Radio Essentials is a production of 63 Audio, a proud member of the Mutual Audio Network. Subscribe on any podcatcher you may use by searching under Mutual Audio Network and or Narada Radio Company. Please do follow us on the Twitter at Essentials Old and join our Facebook group. Nerado Radio Company Productions to get updates on upcoming episodes of this show plus future audio dramas. And if you want to suggest an episode, please write us at get your pencils ready f6.3 at gmail.com That's the letter F, the number six, the word point, P-O-I-N-T and the number three at gmail.com. Put the word essentials in the subject line. Remember, folks, We're always happy to hear from our listeners, please. So please do send us some feedback and suggestions. And if you can't, didn't catch our email when Dave spelled it out, rewind and listen again, or just look at it in the show notes. Uh, Dave, I've been asked to inform you that Pete has decided not to come up with a show specific email because he just can't justify the effort when not hardly nobody writes us to about anything about the show. Lame. Lame. Are you are you trying to guilt trip our audience, Pete? Come on. Hey, if it ends up working, who cares? <laughs> <laughs> now, if you'd like to be a guest programmer on our show, it's so easy. Just so write easy. your just write your selection in the margin of that copy of Catcher in the Rye that you failed to return to the library in high school and send it to us along with a handful of the salt and crumbs that accumulate in the bottom of a bag of pretzels. Huh? Or just send an email. There you uh, go. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I think we've wasted enough of these fine people's time. So let's wrap things up. Hey, 
Thanks, Paulie, Dave, and of course our <laughs> listeners for all of the non-existent feedback. <laughs> now, if I haven't completely alienated you, if there's really anybody to alienate, please join us next time for another fun installment of Old Time Radio Essentials. Bye-bye for now. Bye. Wait a minute. We interrupt this program to bring you a word from Fresh. <laughs> oh my God. No, save it for the episode. Holy okay, okay, crap. Okay, okay. Okay, 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 okay. You know, maybe we should have an echo on our voice too to make it sound more empty. <laughs> I'll add that. Complete void space. Bye. Bye. Bye-bye. Have fun Bye. storming the castle. Bye. Harry Red Beaver. God. <laughs> Right Another fun installment of Always. Harry Red Beaver. I gotta find something even crappier. <laughs> <laughs> it's nice to have a challenge. Sixty-three <laughs> audio. This is mutual. If you enjoy audio drama and fiction podcasts, sign up for the Fiction Podcast Weekly. It's an email newsletter with the latest news, events, creative opportunities, job listings, behind-the-scenes production resources, podcast milestones, debuts, and finales. Plus, it's free. Sign up now at thepodcasthost.com slash fictionpodcastweekly. Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, or iHeartRadio today. There's eight different podcasts, one for each day of the week and genre. And the Mutual Audio Network broadcast feed so you don't miss a day of your favorite shows. Subscribe to Mutual Audio tonight. Good night.